getting you set for everything Cardinals. His second game as a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mack. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com. Welcome into the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Great to be here with you on 101 ESPN. And again, we have the Redbird Report every Monday at 6 here on 101. Also, I've started a new show at 10 a.m. every day right here on 101 ESPN. One of my guests today was Ricky Horton, the Cardinals TV broadcaster and radio broadcaster, former pitcher for the club, and my partner on the TV games. We'll hear from Rick. Also on my website, scoopswithdannymack.com, I had the chance to visit with Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch. We'll dive into one of the biggest sports stories in baseball this past week, and that is the story and the future of Yadier Molina. Molina was pretty clear at the Cardinals winter warm-up in January. He wants to play at least two more years, and he wants to play for the Cardinals. Now he's rethought the latter part of this stance. Talking with ESPN baseball writer, Marley Rivera, last Wednesday, Molina explained how the pandemic and baseball shutdown have strengthened his desire to play another two seasons. But the stoppage, with no end in sight right now, has given him some time to think about playing elsewhere if the Cardinals can't extend him. Quote, I previously said that if it wasn't with St. Louis, that I would go home. If we were unable to come back to an extension agreement, that I would retire. But the situation with this pandemic has changed everything. Right now, I'm thinking of playing two more years. Obviously, St. Louis is my first option. But if they don't sign me, then I'm willing to go into free agency. This situation has changed my mentality, and all I want to do is play. End quote. Molina's in the final year of a three-year, $60 million contract, and the Cardinals have begun discussing an extension this spring before MLB shut down spring training and delayed the season. Molina, who will turn 38 in July, notified the Cardinals that he felt that he had two more seasons left as the 2020 season neared, and he physically feels good enough to remain the starting catcher. News got out after the article hit. President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak was a guest last week on 101. Yeah, I, I think that those kind of things, when you start to, to react, can be a bit dangerous, or, or given that we're in a situation that's so unique to all of us, or really unprecedented for that matter, and, and then trying to like think through contract extensions or you know what 2021 may even look like it's really difficult to do and i think the one thing i would say to anybody that's listening today is is that you know obviously the relationship with some of our key veterans like a yadi or wainwright is obviously something we take very seriously and we understand the importance of those relationships but you know the game is 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 something that we also have to understand on on what the industry is going to look like and as i sit here today on is it April 29th? I, I mean, I don't know what really tomorrow is going to bring. So rather than me try to get out in front of this or, or, or try to say something that I may regret, the simplest answer, the simplest approach is there's just a lot of unknowns and um, we'll address it when we have to and, and when we can and when we feel like we have confidence to know what the future might look like. This season will be Molina's 17th in the majors, 16th as the Cardinals' starting catcher. His former teammate, Albert Pujols, also made some news over the weekend as well. Oh, one to Pujols. In the air, left field, and Pujols has given St. Louis the lead. A dramatic, towering three-run home run. Stunned in disbelief here in Houston. 
There it is. Number 400 for Albert Pujols. 400 home runs in the career of Albert Pujols. History tonight in Washington. Another one, two. Albert drives one out to left center field. This ball's hit well. There she goes. Welcome to the 500 home run club, Albert Pujols. Pujols rips it fair. Hit number 2,000 down into the corner. And with this double, Pujols joins Stan the Man, Brock, Hornsby, and Slaughter as Cardinals with 2,000 hits. There's a flare out to right field, and there it is. Hit number 3,000 for Albert Pujols. The fourth player in Major League Baseball history with at least 600 home runs and 3,000 hits. Joining Hank Garrett, Willie Mays, and Alex Rodriguez. Add Albert Pujols to that list. And what a moment this is for Albert with his teammates, his family here. History in Seattle here for Albert Pujols. A 2-1 pitch to Albert Pujols. Albert hits it a ton out to deep left. He gave us 11 years of memories we'll never forget. He's just given us another. Albert Pujols, who celebrated his 40th birthday in January, has already cemented his place in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubting that. But a shortened or canceled 2020 season would significantly affect his ability to reach some key milestones. He's 44 home runs from 700, 298 hits from 3,500. Only Hank Aaron has both. Next year will mark the end of his 10-year deal with the Angels, which is presumed, presumed to also coincide with the finale of his career. He isn't so sure about that. Quote, I don't think about it that way. It's my last year under contract, but that doesn't mean I can't keep playing. I haven't closed that door. I'm taking it day by day, year by year. But you haven't heard from my mouth that I'm going to retire next year or that it's going to be my last year or that I'm going to keep playing. I haven't said any of that. When that time comes, we'll see. Just because you have one year left in your contract doesn't mean it's your last year. It could be, but it could not be. The news with Albert Pujols. Major League Baseball and its umpires have reached a deal to cover 2020 pay structure during this pandemic. The MLB Umpires Association announced that late on Friday, the umps will be paid a prorated share of their salaries based on games worked over a 182-day season. Umpires have already been paid from January through April. They'll be paid at a 50% rate in May. If even one regular season game is played this season, the umps are guaranteed about one-third of their salaries. Umpires generally make between $150,000 and $450,000 a year. This is kind of interesting. As part of the deal, MLB has the right not to use instant replays of umpires' decisions during the 2020 season. Most calls have been subject to re video review since 2014, but MLB is considering playing regular season games at spring training ballparks that are not wired for replay. Tomorrow on 101, we'll be celebrating the life of our former colleague Chris Duncan, World Series champion in 06, former host on 101, Tomorrow would have been his 39th birthday, and there's so many that miss Dunk and his insights. I'll visit with Brad Thompson tomorrow at 10, and I'll never forget Brad with Scott Warman on Fox Sports Midwest talking about the passing of Chris Duncan. And one of them, October 2nd, 2005. The Cards playing their final regular season game at Bush Stadium 2. Dunk homering for the first time in his big league career. 
And the best part was watching Pop. He loved oh, it. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, that was such a cool moment. You see right there, I mean, that was the final home run at Bush Stadium, too, a moment that will go down in history. You see all the smiles there. You see how happy uh, everybody is for Chris Duncan. And you see the, the proud Papa right there. What a pretty swing mm -hmm. Dunk had. The big-time power. I mean, put everything into it in 2006, 22 home runs. Look, uh, the, the Cardinals are not champions. We, we don't win a World Series if it's not for everything that Chris Duncan did and put into it. And it, it's this stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's the home runs, it's the power, uh, but it's him. It, it was the presence, it, it was uh, the personality, uh, everything, you know, all wrapped into one, one special, special human being. Game five, home run in the NLCS, and of course, getting an RBI in game one of the World Series against the Tigers, dunk front and center during the World Series celebration, a year that obviously all of us, including Brad, will never forget. Oh, and again, uh, a World Series, a celebration, uh, memories that don't happen yeah. if not for that guy. And uh, some uh, folks via social media, including his manager, your manager, Tony LaRusso, saying my favorite message to Cardinal fans is every time you celebrate the 06 World Series championship, remember, we got into the playoffs the last game without... Chris's clutch production, as Brad just mentioned, we miss October and so much else that made him special. Rest in peace, Chris Duncan. Also, Albert, my prayers go out to the family of Chris Duncan tonight. We had some great times as teammates in the STL. He was a dear friend and a strong competitor on and off the field. If anyone could have beat this cancer, I always believed Dunk would. Rest in peace, buddy. You will be missed. Our thoughts are with his wife, Amy, his pop, Dave, brother, Shelley, and the rest of his family and friends during this difficult time. Chris Duncan passing away at the early age of 38. He will be missed. We hope that you'll donate, raise awareness, and celebrate the life of Chris Duncan tomorrow all day on 101 ESPN. There is going to be live baseball. That's right. Live baseball is coming your way. Hi, folks. Carl Ravitch, ESPN. We are so excited. As much as I love baseball, I know you love baseball. We're going to have live baseball. That's right. ESPN and the Korean Baseball Organization come together. We will bring you live baseball every morning. In fact, starting Tuesday morning, 1 a.m. Eastern time, the first game. Opening day in Korea. They have 10 teams, 5 games. Eddie Perez and I will call the game. The monitor here will have live action from Korea. The headset's here. I can talk to people. More important, we can talk to you. We'd like you to engage with us. We'll have John Shambi call some games. Eddie, of course, Kyle Peterson, Jess Mendoza, and a whole host of others from our baseball coverage. We have it for you beginning Tuesday, 1 a.m. Eastern time, live baseball. That should be interesting. Looking forward to that. And yes, I will be watching because I want to see some live baseball. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we'll dive into Yadier Molina, his future in St. Louis with Ben Fredrickson of STL Today. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Cardinals broadcaster, also Scoops with DannyMac.com, heard daily, 10 a.m. on 101 ESPN and the website, ScoopsWithDannyMac.com. And one of my guests uh, every Friday is Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And we get into a lot of different topics, but because of the news with Yadier Molina, that has really, really been a focal point of some of our conversations 
And Ben, I'm curious what you think of Yachty, what he said to Marley Rivera of ESPN, and the uh, potential of playing beyond this season, whether it's in St. Louis or not. Well, my first thought was that Yachty's probably feeling some of what we're all feeling, uh, being being forced to sit at home and not being able to do your job in the way they're used to doing it, in some ways has all made us more thankful for for our jobs, right? And, And not to say that he was wavering on his commitment to baseball, not to say that at all, but I think the idea of retirement, he's getting a little taste of what it could look like right now. And he's telling himself, this isn't this isn't what I want right now. And he knows that what would have been the final year of his contract, which would have been this season, 2020, if it comes at all, is going to look very odd. Um, it will be, you know, I think long time, you know, historians of the game, veteran players are going to view 2020 as more of a crapshoot if it does even get off the ground. And, and I think what he's realizing is probably, hey, I don't want my final year to be some kind of, uh, you know, asterisk of a season. And I, and I feel physically capable of, of playing beyond that. You know, I thought it was a little strange at winter warmup this year when Yachty said, hey, you know, I want to play, I want to keep playing, but if the Cardinals don't want me back, then I'll retire. And I thought that was, it was a nice kind of fuzzy, warm comment from him. But when in the history of Yachty or Molina, Dan, have we seen Yachty go, I'll let my decisions be based on someone else's or I'll sit in the passenger seat on this one. He doesn't do that. And it's one of the reasons the Cardinals love him. It's one of the reasons the fan base loves him. He kind of sets the tone. He puts the pressure on. He knows when to, to create a spark. He knows when to lead. And he has led for the most part in these contract negotiations in terms of, you know, kind of, we can tell based off of his comments, based off of his mood, what he's thinking. And I think what he's thinking right now is, Hey, I don't want my final year to be some weird year. I want to keep playing. And, and I lean to let everybody know that if, uh, if the Cardinals don't see it that way, that I am open to the idea of playing elsewhere. Do I think it will get to that? No, I don't. Do I think Yachty wants to leave St. Louis? No, I don't. And I don't think the Cardinals will let him leave. Um, as long as the con the contract discussions that come about the extension are reasonable. Like Yachty makes $20 million a year right now. Um, Is it realistic to give him another extension that gives him that much money? I'm sure the Cardinals don't want to do that because they see his age 37. They see his, his, some of his skills and decline as it would be with any 37 year old player, but they also see all the stuff that he does that no other catcher can do. I mean, to, to look at Yachty as a catcher is to is to misunderstand his value. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a pitching coach. He's a hitting coach. He's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a, a motivator, an enforcer. He is all these things. Um, you know, you guys show the, the, the dugout during games and how many times is Yachty sitting there talking over game plans with Mike Schilt. So he is his value is more to the Cardinals than it would be to any other team. I think the big question would be, if there is some sort of a a touchy point during these negotiations where Yachty feels disrespected, and, and that's always going to be the case, is he's he values respect. It means a lot to him. If he feels like the Cardinals are shortchanging him or slow playing him, then things could get a little uh, tense. But they haven't in the past really, and Yachty's been with the Cardinals for 16 seasons. He's a legacy player. We know how how Bill Dewitt feels about him. We know how John Mozeliak feel about him. I think this will get worked out probably hasn't gotten worked out as fast as he liked because nothing is getting worked out in baseball. Right now they're worried about finding ways for a season, not extensions. It's not as if players are getting extensions left and right. So I think Yadi was just making it known that he wants to keep playing. And, and I have a hard time seeing the Cardinals not finding a way to make that happen.
And we don't know what the landscape will look like in terms of the finances of what you would get paid in a normal season to what you get paid after this year, whether they play or not. And I think that's a, a big factor looking forward with this too. Totally. There's a lot of unknown and he's got to understand that. Um, I think the, the big question to me um, would be what will Molina's request of the Cardinals be in terms of money? And would he at some point, if he didn't get what he wanted, would he be willing to take a lesser offer to go elsewhere? Is he going to expect the Cardinals to give him more than what another team would? Um, that to me will be the ultimate big question in this. Um, I don't see this becoming an Albert Pujols situation. It's a different scenario. Yadi's Yadi's 37 and you know, he's not going to play for, for years and years somewhere else. So I think they will be able to find out, find an agreed upon deal here. Um, you know, I know people worry about, well, what about Andrew Kisner and what does this mean for his development? And I'll just point out that before Andrew Kisner, everybody was worried about Carson Kelly and, and now there's Yvonne Herrera. I mean, the Cardinals have done a good job of loading the decks behind Yachty um, and they've done a good job of finding, maximizing that talent in trades. I mean, without trading Carson Kelly to Arizona, there's no Paul Goldschmidt. So this notion that the Cardinals have to, you know, start creating a timeshare for Yachty or Molina, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I, I think you you do what you can to keep your Hall of Famer behind the plate as long as his demands are are reasonable. And if it gets to the point where they're not, then that's going to be a whole another conversation. I also think this, um, you know, Yachty can talk about hitting free agency, but I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I don't think this is a guy who's going to go play for the Marlins. Um, you know, a team that can't win. I don't think this is a guy who's going to go play for a team that doesn't have a chance. Now, if it, if it offered him a chance to win a World Series, I could see him being interested in that. The other team that I think you have to look out for to some degree is the Angels. I mean, think about that, Dan. The Angels have Albert Pujols under contract through 2021. They have a, a competitive, more competitive team now than they've had. They've got Mike Trout, Otani. Um, they also have Tony Larusa <laughs> advising the the front office out there, and Joe Madden, who has campaigned for a veteran catcher. So that would be the team, if I'm a Cardinals fan, that I'd worry about. But hopefully, it doesn't get to that point. How much do you think you pay for legacy? You know, if you're Bill DeWitt and you're Mo, and you're looking at this and you're saying, "This is the type of player we think he is in our system." You know, that that's X amount of dollars. On top of that, though, here's the intangibles that you spoke of earlier, but also legacy having a hall of fame caliber player finish his career in st louis with that legacy well the the cardinals have already answered that question to some degree um they have they do pay for legacy and i don't think yadier molina is the player that you want to draw the hard line on with that conversation i mean the cardinals stood up there and said they gave matt carpenter a contract extension because they wanted him to finish his career in a cardinals uniform um, they have a lot more examples like that than they do of Albert Pujols, which was, in some ways, its own its own conversation. Um, you know, so so I think they've I think they've played their hand when it comes to when it comes to that conversation, and I think Yachty knows that, and his and his his agents know that. I mean, the Cardinals are not going to make Yadier or Molina the exception here. Um, and, and in some ways it will be, you know, there's all kinds of different ways they could work it out. Is it one year with an option? Would he consider that a two year deal? Is it, is it a contract that's lower than what he makes now, but has incentives that could make, help him make more if he hits certain, certain things. I mean, if he thinks, you know, I think it's probably unrealistic for Yachty to expect a, a two to three year extension 
standard with making what he makes now. I mean, what catcher in the game gets that? Now he's one of the best, and he's going to be. A, I do believe he'll be a Hall of Famer. But you know, there are all kinds of details that can be worked out. But when it comes to are the Cardinals willing to pay for legacy? Yes. Are they willing to pay for legacy so much so that it makes them feel like they've overexposed themselves? Well, we got that answer with Pujols. So different different players, different points of their careers, much different contracts. But the Cardinals are willing to pay for it, but they're not willing to completely abandon their model. So that's worked for them and Yadier Molina multiple times in contract negotiations in the past. I have a hard time seeing how it would fall apart here now. Ben, I find it really interesting that when I'm looking at the Cardinals Hall of Famers, the guys that went in as Cardinals, and Ted Simmons will have that opportunity, not this year, but the next. He's a guy Another that, year for Ted. Ted's a wait. How brutal. I know. And and the thing is, too, you know, you've got situations where guys were with other teams before, like Ozzy was with San Diego, finished up with St. Louis, or Ted, you know, that was with the Cardinals and then went on to other places. Um, Stan and, and Bob Gibson are Cardinals yep. forever. And you could be saying that about, and that's it, I believe. And yep. th- then it's potentially Yadier Molina. I, I wonder how important that would be for him to stay with one team for his entire career and know you are a Cardinal. No matter what you do, you're a Cardinal for life. And, and that's got to be something, too, I think, that, that you have to keep in perspective. Absolutely. And he values that. And I think that's the comments that he was touching on when he talked at winter warm-up. And, and, and I, don't, I don't take what he said to ESPN. And it was a great interview by Marley Rivera, and she's covered Yachty a long time. So he really opened up. So, you know, I don't take what he said, though, as a direct, um, you know, a direct opposite of what he said at winter warm-up. You know, the headlines in some ways, and this happens with anything, the headlines always kind of, um, make the there's a difference between the tone of the headlines of these stories and and the actual comments from Yadi and what he repeated to Derek he he told him Marley as well is his goal is to be in St Louis I think this is more along the lines of hey I want an extension not uh, I, I want an extension before you know too long here I don't want to necessarily go year to year but he I think his primary goal first and foremost according to his own words is that he stays in St Louis I think that matters a lot to him being a lifelong Cardinal. I also think that, that it matters a lot to build a wit. I mean, he has been, you know, in some ways the Cardinals have, it's kind of like when you go and ask for, if, if someone goes and asks for a raise and all they do is just put out the comments that their boss has said about how great they are. And the Cardinals give Yair Molina his contract argument every day, every time they talk about him and what he means to the team and his value and, and all the things that he does for the organization, what he means. Um, the Cardinals are going to be mindful of of the bottom line, but they also have to be mindful of their public image here. I mean, you're going to lose experience some pretty significant fan backlash if you don't find a way to keep Yadier or Molina as long as he's not making ridiculous demands. And, and I don't think that that he probably will be. So I think both sides value that. And I think it's one of the biggest reasons that in the grand scheme of things, we will probably be looking at this as 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 really a not a non-story because it's a change and it's news, but as a, as something that led to a mutually beneficial end here. You know, the other thing, too, <clears throat> is that he's still performing at a pretty high level. I mean, it's not like this guy is is terrible going out there. He's still one of the elite defensive players in the game. And you can count on him getting a big base hit here and there. So that's something to keep in mind, too. You know, if you're the Cardinals, you, you, you look at it and you say, well, is Kisner ready? Is Herrera ready? And if the answer is no, then Yachty's your guy. That's the way I look at it, too. 
Well, I think your your answer is figure out how long you're willing to commit to Molina, then figure out what to do with with Kisner. I mean, if if the if the if the value for him is holding him in case something happens to Yachty, then then you plug him in, then there's that. But if if you feel like the, you're going to start getting diminishing returns because a guy who should be at the major league level is playing daily in Memphis, and you find a way to package him into something you need now, especially you know if you feel good about what. Herrera could be moving forward. Again, you're going to be able to find players you can groom as as replacements, but you're not going to be able to find another Yadier or Molina. <laughs> and and the, the one thing that I think is it seems to be that the conversation seems to, to go back and forth is at what point could there be a spot where Yadier is kind of on the fly grooming his replacement? He's kind of pushed back against the notion of having some sort of timeshare. Now, that's right now because he feels like he can play every single day. But if it gets later on in his career, could something like that be set up? I think that's why you could see maybe a more complicated extension, something that deals with, with, you know, innings caught and incentives and, and things like that. But right now he feels good when he's healthy. He hits, he hasn't hit as well, you know, as, as he did in recent years here lately, but when he's healthy, he is an opportunistic hitter who is always a tough out. And his defense is, is so much more than what it than what the statistics show it's you know the reason the cardinals were top five in era of their starters and their relievers last year had a lot to do with the guy who was behind the plate um when it comes to grooming pitchers when it comes to bringing along young guys preparing young pitchers for situations that they're probably not ready for um but he gets them through it and you know he really is He's the furnace of the team. I mean, when it comes to their desire, they play at a different level when Yadier Molina is fired up. I mean, he has the he knows what buttons to push for a team, for an entire city at times. We saw that two winter warmups ago. I mean, he is he's the face of the team and he has been um, ever since Albert Pujols left. So it's only gotten more prominent in recent years and he, and he still can play well and he still has that burning desire to win. So you know, I think the I think the the value of Yadier Molina goes far beyond what you come up with when you punch in his war. I think the team, the people you usually hear that comment coming from, are the people who are about to sit down with him at some point in the relatively near future and figure out what it will take to to end this talk of him maybe pursuing free agency. But I really just see this whole thing as Yadier getting back to the driver's seat of this conversation, and it's where we should expect him to be and where he always has been. It's really interesting as we'll dive into some college news here momentarily, but there just seems to be more momentum that sports is going to return. Baseball will return. You read things nonstop like I do. What what are your thoughts on the potential of, of baseball coming back this summer? Well, I think the the fact that we're getting toward more realistic plans leaking out left and right is encouraging. Um, you know, I like the ideas that we've heard lately you know, a lot more than I did of putting everybody in a vacuum sealed hotel in Arizona. I don't think that ever was going to be very possible. Um, but as more states start to, you know, ease up restrictions with optimism that that it will go well, I think, you know, you're going to have more teams that could play in their home cities, albeit without fans. Um, you know, I list, I pretty much read everything Dr. Fauci puts out sports related. Um, I think that the questions are going to be, you know, when can we get to the point where we can have, you know, very available testing in large amounts for these leagues that are trying to restart? And that's kind of a two-way, two-part question, because when can you have it, period? And when is it 
when is it um when is it acceptable to do it in terms of you have to make sure sick people and hospitals have the tests they need um, before you can start using them up on on baseball players. Um, and that's a fair point, And it should be that way. But when are we producing enough tests to where we can have a pretty, pretty good system? We still haven't quite heard an explanation on what happens, what the process would be for a player who tests positive. It seems more and more like that player would just be in quarantine for a couple of weeks until they were good to go and, and the team would try to continue to move on. Now you can see the problems with that, but we're talking about getting to a point where we could have players at home, obviously kind of sealed off from the outside world, but with their families and then minimize the contact points their families have. I think that's going to be a lot more agreeable to the players um, than it would be in this idea of having everybody in a hotel and they can't see anyone from the outside. Cause you got to remember the players have to agree to this. Um, and then the other big conversation is going to be about the money and how that works and it seems like the players are are more of the mindset that they agreed to a deal about the stoppage and not so much the return and the owners seem to think that the deal was more about the stoppage and the return so how that works is going to be fascinating if we continue to move toward what we look like some sort of an altered season. I hope it continues moving in that direction. I'm encouraged by the news, the plans that continue to leak that seem more realistic, but uh, I'm also willing to admit that I'm, I'm being optimistic because I hope it happens. Yeah. I think too, the, the main point that I take from you and reading different things is that if they can get into the home cities, that means that the players at least the the way I read it is they wouldn't have to be necessarily quarantined. You know, you could you're going to be at home and they're going to ask you not to go out and, and and isolate, but yet you're with your families and and that would be a key point I think for any of the older players that have made generational money or just any any player at all just saying, look, I got to go a chance to go to my own bed. I, I think that's something that is very very important going forward. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's one of the ways I look at it. Well, you've seen some pretty prominent players speak out against the idea of this kind of baseball players under a lockdown scenario, including Mike Trout, who's a pretty significant face of the league. Um, Clayton Kershaw said, I don't want to do that. And we shouldn't be asked to do that. But, you know, these, these more latest ideas that have floated. And and again, these ideas float with, there are a lot of details still to be worked out. Well, yeah, (laughs) of course. Um, But it seems like that would be something that's more, more agreeable on the player side of things. So, you know, the the main thing to keep in mind is that the the agreements the signing off on this will have to come from from governors from from a lot of people who are not involved in baseball but i I do think it is um it's encouraging that seems things discussions seem to be moving towards something that would would seem a lot more realistic than some of the initial ideas that we heard that's Ben Fredrickson. You can hear him every Friday on scoopswithdannymac.com. Coming up from my show today on ESPN, we had Ricky Horton on. I'll talk it over with Rick when we come back. More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Back on the Redbird Report, I'm Dan McLaughlin, Cardinals broadcaster. Great to have you with us. Hopefully you enjoyed our visit with Ben Fredrickson. And now we switch gears and talk to my broadcast partner and former Cardinal reliever, starter, and at times closer, Rick Horton. Rick, first and foremost, uh, how are you getting through the pandemic right now? And I hope everybody in your family is safe and healthy. 
Well, it actually hasn't been uh, bad, Dan, and I and I say that with full understanding that for a lot of people it has been. So, I mean, I, I just I understand that there are people that not not just the economic issues that are going on, but also the the health issues that people are dealing with in a very real way. I'm very sensitive to that and, and empathetic towards that. I, on our front, you know, we've been fine. Our kids are fine, and uh, we're just using it as a time to for Ann and I just to connect. We go on a lot of walks, and 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 I'm learning how to cook uh, at the age of. Uh, at the age of 60. So uh, finally, uh, you, I guess you can teach an old dog new tricks. And, and but, but it has been, you know, a time of reading and reflection. And uh, it just hasn't been, it hasn't been all bad in terms of how we've dealt with it. Let's put it that way. Sure. How about baseball? How much you miss the game? Well, I miss the game. You know, I'm finding, and, I, and I'm a little surprised at this. I'm, I'm finding that, that I really missed the live game. You know, and, and I'm, I've been a student of history. I love history just in general, as you know, Dan, for, with all of our travels together and, and I'm and reading books on history, on military history. But, uh, you know, I thought I would be just kind of able to just embrace and get behind a lot of kind of, you know, past baseball games in the history. But, but, but I want now. I mean, I'm, I guess yes. I'm, I'm a little surprised at that because I thought I would be a consumer of baseball past and I'm really I'm really looking for baseball present and baseball future. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you because I know fans want to know if we're going to play this year. My gut feeling is we will. How about you? Yeah, I think we will. And of course, you know, the playing in front of fans is 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 obviously uh, there's not a high probability of that at least at the beginning and who knows how long. Uh, and and that of course is a, is a sad thing for all of us and something we'll have to deal with, but you know, love to be able to bring you know, with you and, and on the radio side, too, we'd love to be able to bring Cardinal baseball to fans. I mean, I can't go anywhere. I'm talking about drugstores and, and, and be six feet away from people without somebody saying, miss the Cardinals. I miss the Cardinals. I miss the Cardinals. I think there would be some some really uh, good things that would come from from giving us that diversion if that happens. And, uh, you know, will it be 100 percent of what we've had in the, in the past uh, probably not in terms of the feel of it, but I, but I'd love to go back to work with you, Dan, and, and get back after it, and and hope that uh, somewhere down the road in the future we we do have our return to normal. Yeah, I'd love it too, Rick Horton, my guest, uh, Ricky. I'm curious about playing in front of of no fans. Um, what do you think that's like from a professional athlete standpoint, especially guys that have been doing it a long time, and especially in St. Louis when. We're playing the Marlins on a Tuesday in July, and there's 40,000 people to none. What do you think that's going to be like? Well, for the veteran big leaguers, they're going to have to channel their minor league career, maybe their college career. Yeah. Remember what it was like to just play because, you know, and, and not necessarily have to draw on the energy of the crowd. And, and that is a thing that obviously when you get the big leagues, I mean, it is incredible when you walk into a ballpark and there are 40,000 people screaming or booing you, whichever the case may be. I mean, it's, I mean, it is really an electric experience. And uh, I will say this, that there were times and, and I have to reach way back in my memory banks to remember this, Dan, but there were, there were cities that, that you'd go to uh, in the national league. And, and at the time it was Atlanta, Montreal, Pittsburgh that were not drawing very well. And you had to remind yourself that these were big league games that counted. So, so there, but, but there was a mental exercise for, from a player's point of view and from a coach and a manager to say, look, it doesn't feel like this game counts, but it sure does. So there's, there's going to have to be some mental toughness, uh, I think with players. And of course that's what they pride themselves in is mental toughness, but, but they're going to have to find ways to gear up and get that energy, get that adrenaline from somewhere. 
I'm fascinated what a roster may look like. So do you take 30 guys, 35, the 40 man, whatever the case may be, because if you're playing a lot of games, condensed schedule, you could have injuries. You might have guys struggling. You'd love to go down to the minor leagues and bring somebody up. Um, And to that point, that's where I think the Cardinals, at least coming out of spring training, what I felt was that they would be very, very good pitching-wise. We're going to find out about the offense, but pitching-wise, I think they could come out of this thing maybe better than any other team in the league. I agree. I 100% uh, believe that. Whitey Herzog's on record as saying the same thing. And, and, and I would say beyond that, Dan, I, I would say 40 is too many, personally. I mean, they may do that, but I think I, I think that would be too too crowded in some ways. But if you go to 30, 32, I think that maybe is the right number as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, But it isn't just the pitching. You know, it's it's if you're going to play every single day. I mean, is Yachty going to catch every day? Is Paul DeYoung going to play shortstop every exactly. day? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so and so it's not. It is the pitching, yes, but it's also you know, do you have an Edmundo Sosa who's ready to play shortstop and back up Paul DeYoung after he's played 30 days in a row, uh, or do you have an extra second baseman? Do you have the versatility of a Tommy Edmund where he can play several places? I think you know the more the merrier when it comes to this kind of situation, and that and that's certainly true of the pitching. I, I would be very surprised if they don't really push the envelope in terms of how soon they start relative to pitchers actually being ready to pitch. I, I don't think they're going to gear up to pitchers throwing seven innings. You know, we did that once in spring training, got them geared up to that and then had to have the shutdown. I, honestly, I think if you can get starters to go three or four at the beginning of whatever the season might look like, and you go ahead and have a seven man rotation and just let them throw three or four until they build up and, and, and a team like the Cardinals, yes, I think they have more starters. You have Gomber, Ponce de Leon, et cetera. And you've got Kim who would look really good in spring training. So you know, several options for Mike Schilt, which I think is a plus for St. Louis. I find it fascinating too, what veterans uh, will be like, like meaning their body, you know, and a Wayne right now gets two to three months off. Uh, Yachty can rest his body. Those kind of guys, those types of players in the league, how they respond after being amped up for spring. Now you're down. Now you have to get it back going again very quickly. I think that's kind of a neat to, part of this to, to see who responds and who doesn't. It's going to be fascinating to see you know how players are ready for whatever happens. Whatever, and again, we don't. No one knows. If, you know, we 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 end up saying a lot of what John Bozalak's been saying lately is I don't know because that's what yeah. you and I say that to each other a lot when we chat. And you know, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, you know, but the point is, you know, at some point you're going to have veteran players that are going to have to get ready in a hurry. So so if you're a veteran player, Dan, as as we know, and it's spring training, you know, they get there early February. And then they end up playing games by April 1st, just roughly. But their work starts in November. So you have to back up two, three, four months to get ready to where they're game ready for April. So now with the unknown of what's going on right now is a detriment to a player, veteran or otherwise, that you probably should be thinking, okay, so I have to believe this is like my mid-February time or maybe my early January time. What, what am I doing then to get ready for a season? Because the reality is it's going to be a rush once the decision is made. It's not going to be three months and then we're going to go after it. It might be a month. So you're going to have to kind of get ready as if the season's going to start in a month, which means uh, early spring training. You're going to have to be in early spring training shape without having spring training. And I think that's going to be a challenge mentally and physically, again, whether you're a young, young player or old player. When I've been asked about this, I said, baseball, it's an outlier this year. It's a blank canvas. So if we have realignment with divisions, if we're playing doubleheaders that have seven-inning games, 
extra innings. You start with a runner at second base. I don't like it, but if we had to do it, we do it. There's all kinds of things that we hear about. From your perspective, what do you think about all those different things that are, are being rumored about? Well, my perspective would be, and, and, and I'm, I think I'm not speaking for every fan because every fan is different and, 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 you know, every broadcaster is different, every player is different and we all have our opinions and, and, and that's what makes the game so interesting. I really do believe that. I mean, it's one of the things I've loved about baseball is, you know, it, it's kind of hard to have a definitive right or wrong about analytics, old school, you know, do you, do you hit and run, do you, do you, do you bunt? I mean, all those things are to me, what makes baseball interesting. You take the pitcher out, do you leave him in? But what, what, what I believe personally, as a fan of the game, I would rather see less changes than more changes because we're already going to have changes thrust upon us, meaning nobody in the stands. That's going to be weird. So I'd prefer to have the teams playing in their home ballparks so at least it has a feel for that as you're watching on TV or listening on the radio so you have a little bit of a feel for, okay, it's not normal, but it's still the big leagues. And so I think any changes beyond that, if you go to electronic umpires, if you go to the second base, I wouldn't be in favor of that, even the DH in the, in the uh, National League, which I know is, is certainly possible. The more changes that you make, I think for the fan might make them a little disenchanted, maybe too, too much change too fast. I think, you know, I read a book years ago called Managing Change, and, and there is a real art to managing change when you're in corporate America. Mm-hmm. You have to do that very adeptly. And, and, I'm, and I'm concerned that too many macro changes will, will actually hurt the product and hurt the viewer and, and, the, and the fan. Now, again, that, I'm not speaking for everybody, Dan. I'm just speaking for myself. I don't think, Rick Horton, there's any way I could see Yadier Molina in another uniform playing Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. But uh, he has come out and said that he wants to play beyond this year. We know that his three-year deal, that extension, is up after this season. The pandemic has made him kind of rethink of what he wants to do in his future. I, I don't know about you, but I can't see him playing anywhere else. I think the legacy stuff, all of it matters, and I do think he'll finish up in St. Louis. What do you think? I, I hope he does. I believe he will. Uh, I don't fault him for making the comments that he made. I, you know, everybody's kind of that uh, – at a regroup moment right now in, in terms of, well, wait a minute, you know, the, he, he would have thought by this time he would have had 30 plus games under his belt and he would then, you know, and, and, and the number of at bats and home runs and RBIs and all the things that Yachty amassed in his career headed towards the hall of fame are very important to him as they should be. And so for him to be thinking that, boy, if, if I'm not playing this half a year or, or a quarter of a year or whatever it may end up being that he misses, um, you know, it may give me some incentive to want to play longer, and 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 I hope the Cardinals uh, will will be the place I play. But I but I have to cover all my bases, so I, I don't blame him for making that comment at all. Uh, but I sure hope that, and, and I sure hope and think that he's going to stay a Cardinal. Okay, now I'm going to get you in trouble. You ready? Yeah, I, well, I've been there before. Yeah, we, trust me, we both have. <laughs> um, so Albert Pujols said over the weekend that he wants to maybe play beyond his deal. Let's just say, for argument's sake, the DH is coming to the National League, and I, I think it is. Do you think there'd be a reunion with the Cardinals at some point with him? Wouldn't that be oh, something? It would be incredible. You know, I, I guess I, what I don't know, and and and, and I and that's actually the first I've heard of it, Dan. I missed that news somehow that that Albert was thinking about that. I know Albert was highlighted over the weekend in, in a big way with the MLB Network, and and you know, you know, good for him. Uh, but. Uh, if he came back as a Cardinal and, and, and you think about the moment that he had last year in his return to St. Louis, how electric was that? That was such a, awesome. a great thing. I mean, everything about that was awesome. And so, 
you know, maybe that fuels the fire of this kind of conversation. What I don't know is how the service contract fits into that that he has with the angels. Sure. But, you know, all that stuff can be negotiated and dealt with. And, and oh, my goodness, that you, you, you would uh, – I don't know whether it'd be, we'd still be social distancing or not, but you would pack Bush Stadium every night if Albert was back in town. So, you know, I'm just trying to get you in trouble so that we're on the record here that yeah. you believe he is going to come back and then retire with a Cardinal uniform on. That's basically <laughs> what you just said. No, I think I just said I hope – I said I, I'm intrigued by it, and I hope it's the first I've heard of it, but sign me up. Oh, man, it would be awesome. <laughs> now, I'm, not the one, I'm not the one paying them, of course, and I'm not the one negotiating all those deals. But uh, let's just say if, if, if you think about it from a visionary standpoint, from a, from a career capstone standpoint, uh, just how meaningful that would be to so many people. You know, of course, he has great friends and, and great relationships where he is now. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 certainly it's certainly worth dreaming about. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it would be something else. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I'm going to stay with you on, on Albert here because there's so much over the weekend on MLB Network was dedicated to Albert. And then the uh, the the report uh, coming from ESPN about he's not ready to talk about retirement yet, not getting ahead of himself, but just doesn't want to talk about it yet. What's your favorite moment with Albert? Because you knew him on a very personal level and know him on a very personal level. We've all seen the moments on the field, but do you have one that stands out for you? Well, you know, I have personal moments with Albert because I was I was close to him. And, and, and what I remember about the personal moments with him, not on the field stuff, but, you know, how on any given day I would walk by Albert and he would have that stone-faced look and he would walk past me like he'd never met me in his life. And and I'd just walk by him. The next day, I'd walk by Albert. Big hug. His, his eyes would light up. He'd come and hug me and tell me that he loved me. So, I, honestly, that's Albert. I mean, and, and you know what? I actually admire that about a competitor. that You get so locked in that you don't even really kind of see what's uh, right next to you at times. But but that's how intense of a guy he was. But but those memories of those Albert hugs, personally, uh, are really meaningful to me. I, you know, I have several specific things that I can think about in that regard. But you know, just the reminder, honestly, the, the reminder this weekend of some of the games that I had an opportunity to work, where he had the the three home run game on the the buddy day at the ballpark, where they had the parade for the yeah. Down syndrome community, uh, and we had uh, Dee Dee Pujols in our booth uh, talking to her. I, I mean, that's pretty special because that's one of those games that kind of transcends baseball itself and it gets very personal uh and and that's uh, that's probably the the one that sticks out the most to me you know before i let you go i'd be remiss too if i didn't bring this up the cardinals hall of fame voting ended i believe on friday so we're going to find out who makes it into the hall of fame this year and hopefully we'll have a ceremony and it'll be the pomp and circumstance that we're uh, accustomed to but you could have two of your former teammates going in i think there's a great shot that john tudor goes in and tommy her and tommy in my mind, gets overlooked of just how good of a baseball player he was in that time. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I do. John Tudor, people know about his string of, uh, of wins that he put together in 85. And, and you know, the three years running, it was a bet, was really the best pitcher in the National League, I would say. I, you, you wouldn't want to oppose him. Uh, not, not an electric stuff guy, but just an unbelievable competitor. And certainly he deserves it. And everybody on that list deserves it. But the question is kind of who, who do we think is who are we handicapping to get in there? But Tommy Herr, uh, the thing about Tommy is, is you really have to look beyond the numbers with Tom Herr because he was the team leader in the 80s. You know, he played on the 82 World Championship team, was there in 85 and again in 87. So, you know, he was he was as much a part of of the the 80s success as any player. And you certainly throw Ozzy into that, too. Uh, but but the two of them together were, were, were 
critically important. And Tom was really, again, our leader in so many ways. You know, I, I still have a heart for, for Keith Hernandez because I know how much this would mean to him, but I know it would mean a lot to Tom uh, and uh, John Tudor as well. So, you know, I, I know they'll all get in at some point, And so I'm not kind of too worried about those guys, but, you know, you, you just hope sooner and later for sooner than later for the guys that you uh, played with and know and, and, and really care about. Ricky, thanks so much. Great catching up. And uh, soon enough, we'll be back in the booth calling baseball. Can't wait for it. Yeah, I can't wait either, Danny. That's Rick Horton. This is the Redbird Report. I'll have a little news on what Amy Duncan, Chris Duncan's wife, is doing for Dunk. We'll be celebrating his 39th birthday, which would have been tomorrow, on the station all day long. That's next on 101 ESPN. More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Just about done with the Redbird Report here on 101 ESPN. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Scoops with Danny Mac. And this is off the livingduncan.com website in honor of, of Chris Duncan to raise awareness for cancer and research and to raise money. And this is from his wife, Amy. On Tuesday, May 5th, that's tomorrow at 8.30, Chris would be turning 39 years old. In his honor, I will still celebrate his birthday with the lighting of a candle for 16 minutes. I invite you to join me on a live Zoom call and light a candle in your home to share in his memory. Sing him happy birthday, dance, pray, be in the stillness, or do a combination of what feels right for you. RSVP by completing the form below. I will email you an invite on May 4th, which is tonight, with a link to join the Zoom call so we all can gather. It's limited to 100 people. Very well done by uh, Chris's uh, wife, and that's Amy Duncan. That does it for the Redbird Report. I'll see you tomorrow at 10, and we'll celebrate the life of Chris Duncan. That was the Danny Mac Report on 101 ESPN, brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com.